Welcome in, episode 190, What's Right with Nick Wright. Apologies for not being here on Tuesday. I was a little under the weather and was trying to save my voice for the television show, so I didn't mean to put the podcast second, but you got to make trade-offs at times. So apologies for not being here Tuesday. We got a huge show for you today, though, and it's our gambling show. And as, listen, if you're new to the gambling show, here's how it goes. I go two and three and DeMonte loses his teaser. That's just what it's been all year long. <laughs> so I, you know, I've in the last week, I, I felt optimistic. I said, it feels like a five and oh week. We started out two and oh, and then lost, lost, lost. DeMonte once again, went two for three on his teaser legs, which he has done, I think, seven weeks in a row, which of course turns into a loss. So I, last year we made you a lot of money and we had a 50 to one futures bet that was alive until the final weekend. It could be alive in our Niners, uh, chief Super Bowl this year, our preseason gambling show might've given out you know, 10 units of winners, but our week-by-week picks have been pathetic. They've been awful. DeMonte declared himself a teaser guy and right now is, you know, historically bad at it. I'm not picking on you, pal. I'm rooting for you, but it's, I mean, I mean, of all media personalities, if we were to do this like we do sports stats, it's like of everyone with this at least this many games played, this guy is X. Of all media personalities, of which you are one, who have given out to a nationwide audience at least eight teasers, I think you are the worst in history. I, I think I think twelve and a half percent winners is the worst. And so the the bright side is can only go up from there. Um, and the bright side is you maybe don't have quite the the following that you know I have to where you're not being mocked as relentlessly as I am for just going two and three every week and two and three every week on the podcast somehow has turned into one and two or oh and three on TV it's really been bad there's just no way around it go ahead somebody somebody straight up tweeted me the other day like you know love the show love what you guys are doing but I can't listen to DeMonze's teasers anymore like I just can't follow you and like he just said it flatly, yeah. he wasn't trying to make fun of me. He was like very serious, which made it hurt a little bit more. But hey, I respect it, dude. I'm not trying to. You were I'm, no. I'm not listen, to to at you. this point, everyone's got to do what's best for themselves and their families. <laughs> and right now, that is not following Demonze's teasers. It's not following my picks either. Listen, I am not. If you had the opportunity from a EV perspective of going two and three against the spread every week or just losing one teaser every week, it costs you a little bit less to just lose a teaser because you're only losing one unit a week. I'm losing 1.3 units a week because of the VIG. So in that regard, you have been, you know, less, I don't want to say more profitable, but less negative than me, but it just (laughs) feels embarrassing for both of us. And we're going to do better right now. You know, right now we simultaneously have the best father, son gambling show and the worst Uh, because we're the best because it's the best. We're the worst because we just can't win any bets. We're going, you know what? I take that back. I'm not not promising. We're going to turn it around. We're going to do our best. That's all I can say at this point. We're just going to do our best. I can't make false promises to people anymore. 
I have a uh, a five year streak on the line of being profitable against the spread publicly. Actually, that's not right. Five of the last six. And that is in dire straits right now. It's in dire straits. Go ahead. We're like the Raiders right now. Like, we're the Raiders of betting. You know, well, just got to tear it down, restart does that the process. Mean we have to, does that mean we have to fire Gabe and Matt? I don't think that would be right. It's not on them. Bench you, fire Gabe and Matt, and I'm just Mark Davis. Like, I don't know what you want from me. By the way, shout out to Matt, who's not here today, because he is a new father. Happy, healthy wife and baby, the our fearless leader, Matt Ford, who I can now say, by the way, because he's hopefully not watching this show, he's just, you know, covered in uh, marital and baby bliss, euphemistically, of course. Uh, I I finally rewatched Top Gun for the first time since I was a child, start to finish. Not good. I love Tom Cruise. <laughs> I I'm the biggest Mission Impossible fan in the world. I now I'll, I w- I've not yet seen Top Gun Maverick, and I will watch it. But I watched Top Gun, and I said this is a bad movie. The, and I know we have to get to the sports, but just very quickly, like at there is in that movie, are we just supposed to suspend disbelief that the culminate the culminating scene wasn't the beginning of World War Three? Like there was, we we had we we had hot warfare between the U.S. and another nation state. There were jets shot down, and then they like smash cut to like the news coverage. They're like, oh, they're covering it up. Like, huh? I think there'd be nukes dropping. Okay, time for the show. Here's what missed the cut. Uh, we made Demonze. We did it. We made it through all of baseball season without doing a baseball topic. I don't know if that's good or bad, but at least it's honest. But hey, shout out to the Rangers. They win their first World Series we did ever. Talk a little and shout Otani. out What? Oh, oh yeah, you're we right. We did talk Otani. some Otani. And shout out to Bruce Bochi, who now has won a remarkable fourteen of his last fifteen postseason series as a manager. Four. World Series rings for Bruce Bochy, and also shout out to, you might say, how can that be the case? Bruce Bochy, since he took over the Giants, basically either misses the playoffs or wins the World Series. He has managed in the last 20 or in the last 15 years, he has managed five teams to the playoffs. Four of them won the World Series, one lost in the NLCS to the Cubs, Uh, One of those World Series, he won in seven games over my beloved Kansas City Royals. Clay Thompson last night hit a game winner against my beloved Kings. And the NBA in-season tournament pool play begins Friday. I'm going to be totally honest. I still don't totally understand how this thing works, but I'm excited for it, I suppose. What I'm definitely excited for, Demonze, is to talk about a game I stayed up for, watched the entirety of, and that is last night's Lakers Clippers game for the well you go ahead and and walk us through it. So the Lakers managed to not lose 12 games in a row to the Clippers. Uh they yep. won, LeBron scored 35 and played in 42 minutes. Yep. But the Clippers yep. weren't playing James Harden and they obviously have no depth. Mm-hmm. Is this a problem yep. moving forward that the Lakers, you know, are barely hanging around no. with these types of teams? I guess well, listen, barely... I don't I don't 
I don't know if the Lakers are right now a great team. In fact, I don't think they are. Austin Reeves needs to play better. Now, as far as depth goes, I understand the Clippers traded away a lot of their depth for Harden, and Harden didn't play. But the Lakers were without four of their top nine rotation pieces. Jared Vanderbilt still hasn't played. Gabe Vincent didn't play. Uh, Torian Prince, who's been a starter, didn't play, and Rui Hachimura didn't play, which is why Cam Reddish was in the closing lineup. It's why Max Christie got real minutes. And they won the game despite being down 19 at one point, despite not having beaten the Clippers since the beginning of the bubble. They won the game for one reason and one reason only. We've never seen an athlete like LeBron. And I'm not being hyperbolic. I'm not being over the top here. And I'm not even trying to have a GOAT conversation. And I tweeted this last night at, it says 10 o'clock, that's on the West Coast, because our producers, that's where they are, but it was 1 a.m. out East. Well, LeBron is doing right now is without precedent in sports history. Impossible to still be this athletic, this productive, and this good at this stage. Just impossible. LeBron was on the court last night, Demonze, with three other, no doubt, First ballot Hall of Famers in Kawhi, Russ, and Anthony Davis. One guy who will have a fringe, somewhat controversial Hall of Fame case in Paul George. Those guys, just for some context here, Kawhi Leonard came into the league. LeBron came into the league in 2003. Kawhi Leonard came into the league in 2011. Paul George came into the league in 2010. Russell Westbrook came into the league in 2008. Anthony Davis came in the league in 2012. LeBron was better than all of them. And this year has been better than all of them. LeBron is less than 400 minutes shy of having played the most minutes of any player in the history of basketball. Playoffs and regular season combined. And yet, he still has the energy, athleticism to, in his 41st minute of play in overtime, galvanizing a 20-point comeback, he can catch that lob from Austin Reeves and have his head even with the rim. I, I really want folks to have the context for what he's doing at this point which is if you go through the games this year and prior to yesterday, LeBron hadn't played great throughout the bulk of the season. Despite that, he's 25 points, nine rebounds, seven assists on 57% shooting. And in the clutch this year, he has been unbelievable. He scored the winning baskets against Phoenix. He hit the go-ahead three against Orlando. And he made the biggest plays of the game against the Clippers on both ends. He blocked Russ. He had another block that was ridiculously called a goaltend. And it's not just that he turns 39 in less than two months. It's the minutes. It's that I don't, you know what, I'm going to check this real quick. I think LeBron has, let me see if I can prove, I should have done this before the show, I apologize. I think LeBron 
has more minutes than career minutes than Kawhi and Paul George combined. And so I the let me just see if Kawhi's even on it's this. It's not hard to believe. No, well he the I I mean yes it, I mean because Kawhi is not Kawhi's not not in the top two fifty all time mm-hmm. uh, as far as minutes played. Let me see if Paul George is. Paul George might be. Paul George is. At 190, Paul George is at 31,000, and wherever Kawhi is, it's not in the top 250, so it's under 28,000. So Kawhi and Paul George combined are well shy of 60,000. LeBron is about to be at 66,000. And still, at the end of these games, has more left in the tank. They said he's going to be on a minutes restriction. It's the third game in four nights. He's on no type of minutes restriction. He has gone Sunday night 39 minutes in overtime, Monday night 33 minutes, Wednesday night 42 minutes. And right now, and this is not just LeBron, right now, while you have Devin Booker can't get on the court, Kyrie's already missed a couple games, Bradley Beal can't get on the court, the three icons of this generation of basketball, really of last generation of basketball, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant are showing up to work every night, balling out, carrying otherwise at this moment somewhat underachieving supporting casts. And KD's had some rough moments at the end of these games, but part of that's because He's out there without Beal, without Booker. And Katie's old ass with, you know, post Achilles surgery and foot surgery and all of this is like, I'm ready to come to work. Steph Curry, I'm ready to come to work. And LeBron James, ready every damn night to come to work and deliver. And now listen, the the the, the new generation, Jokic and Giannis, also. Been ready to come to work and been yeah the Bucks are the the Bucks might have a little more issues than some of us thought. The Nuggets, despite losing last night, clearly do not. Um and but those guys, I'm not taking anything away from them at all, but those guys are in their late twenties, the two best players in the league. They're supposed to be the two best players in the league. They're doing what's expected. I almost think because LeBron is doing this. Folks are underselling how crazy it is that Durant and Steph are doing what they're doing. That we think what you just of Kobe said about Bryant is very heartwarming. By the way, sorry, you've 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 what, come the, so far. It's the well, second listen, best player I, in the NBA. Gave him his props. Well, I, and it. I didn't even call him second best. I said he's one of the two best. I do think he's the second best, but I, I'm not. I don't argue with people anymore if they say he's the best. I mean that. The guy is the guy's done everything you could ask a guy to do. But I just just some context for people. Kobe Bryant, one of the greatest players ever, by any definition. I want to get his make sure I have his birthday right. So he was born in January of I'm, I'm sorry, in August of 78. In August. Okay. Kobe Bryant's last great season. He was 34 years old. That was the year he snapped his Achilles. He played 
after after turning 34, Kobe played a total of 107 games, zero playoff games, and after turning 35, I should say, after his 34-year-old season, and was by you know by any definition you know was not good averaged less than 20 points per game on well under 40% shooting and nobody was like oh what happened to kobe they're like oh well i mean what do you want from him he's 35 he's 36 he's coming off an injury steph is 35 years old kevin durant is kevin durant 35 i think he is kevin durant is yeah 35 yes. years old just turned 35 he also came off an Achilles. LeBron is about to be 39. Like, Kareem is the greatest ever prior to LeBron on longevity. On, like, this guy was awesome late into his career. And I understand, and folks are not wrong when they mention with Kareem that he has the four years of college basketball, which, you know, obviously there's a wear and tear factor there. I understand that. But Kareem's last great, well, his last great, great season, like MVP caliber season, he was, I mean, he won his last MVP at 32, his 32-year-old season. He won a finals MVP at 37. And Kareem, it was considered the gold standard for old guys still contributing at 38. He was 23.6 rebounds a night. LeBron, if LeBron this year put up 23 and 6, everyone would be like, man, Father Time got it. Like that, Father Time finally caught up to him. He's. You can't I, help yourself. What? What do you mean? You can't help yourself. This is definitely a Bron is the help. GOAT debate. This, was, this wasn't supposed to be a. Oh, he's the go. No, I, I, again, is... I listen. Some people, I'm, I'm almost post that. Like, if some people want to just idolize Michael anymore. Jordan in a way that they're and the six for six, I get it. I, it, it the, the thing is, at if, if people aren't moving, it, it is what is frustrating to me. On that note, is it feels like a lot of people's opinions on that argument have not moved in the last five years despite LeBron adding more and more to the resume, including another championship, another conference finals appearance, five more All-NBA teams over the last five years. So they're not going to move. That's fine. But that, that debate shouldn't distract us from appreciating the fact that this old-ass dude <laughs> last night was on the court with Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Russell Westbrook, and Paul George. And he had the most in the tank at the end. He was the best player. He was the one people were showing up to see. It's just remarkable. Yeah, I mean, what he's a unit, and he takes remarkable. care of his body. He's huge. Well, he's just like, his the, health is a big concern the, of his. The, yes, the, the, take care, the takes care of his body part, and this is where, like, it is a little frustrating when you see a great player in Devin Booker, like you're, you were able to play the first game of the year, and now you're just out. You're just out. Just not available. Kyrie, you, you played a few games. Now you're just out. 
Like, I do, there is a level of, and I've made this point before, and then we'll get to football for the rest of the show. And by the way, shout out to DeMonte Celtics. They did hang one in, 150, 150 last night. 155, I think. Or one, yeah, 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 155. They look really good. Um, There is, and I've made this point before, I just want to make it again. People talk about, oh, you know, LeBron doesn't have the skill or the bag of certain other guys. And my argument, it's first of all, I think that's a little overstated. But second of all, let's just say it's true. Like, he doesn't have the handle of certain guys. There's no doubt about it. He doesn't have the, sh- the pure shot of other guys. No doubt about it. All that's true. Despite that, of course, he's, you know, he scored more points than anyone ever and is going to play all the <laughs> doesn't matter set that aside here is here is the i think the obvious point there there are only so many hours in the day lebron has chosen to prioritize in a way we have never seen from an nba player to use his time making sure his body is ready and available rather than spending all the time working or a disproportionate time working on skill. And so there is a trade-off there. His handle is not as tight as other guys, even his size, right? But how useful is a tight handle or a silky jump shot if you're not available? LeBron's going to end up being the most available player in sports history. And it's going to be because that is how he prioritized his time. And there is a lesson in that, which is if, and he said it after the game last night when they were like, you know, this is the most points anyone's ever scored in year 21. And he was like, yeah, I don't care about that. I think he does a little bit. Um, But he said, Listen, I spend a lot of time making sure my body and my mind are ready to go. And because of that, he has this extended subprime because he's not peak LeBron, but he is this lesser version of peak LeBron that is still at damn near 40, unequivocally one of the eight best players in the league, and we've never seen anything like it. All right, to football. Go ahead. All right, guten tag, uh, what's right, fans? The Chiefs and Dolphins are heading to Germany for a face-off. Yep. Uh, Kansas City's practice games are over and all that. Taylor Swift's boyfriend's really mad about the offensive production and says that it needs mm-hmm. to come to a stop before things get out of hand. Uh, if these yep. struggles continue and this offensive production continues to lack, how are they going to keep up with the Dolphins? Well, if the also, offense struggles, they yeah. I mean, go ahead. Nine points on a defense that allowed seventy points just earlier this year is. I don't. I don't really know how you. Like, what do you say about okay, that? Okay, so the so a few things. The on the Broncos game, obviously, the Chiefs looked terrible offensively and scoring nine points. And by the way, in the game they won against the Broncos, they only scored nineteen. Now it should be noted since that seventy point debacle. The Broncos' defense has been far, far better. People are like, oh, the Jets scored 30 on them. No. I mean, Russell Wilson had a fumble six in that game. The Jets scored 24. The The Packers scored 17. The The Broncos' defense has, you know, improved from the 70, but it's not a great defense. I'm not arguing that. But I also think 
that two things are happening with the with the Chiefs discourse right now. One is we are our memories have never been shorter. The Chiefs offense looked terrible on Sunday. Okay, sure. The week before, Mahomes had over 300 yards at halftime. The one week ago, the question was, is Patrick Mahomes going to set the single-game all-time record for passing yards, which Norm Van Brocklin has held for 70 years? So that's first of all. Second of all, in this Broncos game, the offense moved the ball, but they had five turnovers. No one wins with five turnovers. In NFL history... Games you have five turnovers, you win 6% of the time. In NFL history, games you lose the turnover battle by four or more, which the Chiefs did, you win less than 3% of the time. Last year, the Chiefs, when they got in the red zone, got a touchdown more than 70% of the time, best in the league. This year, the Chiefs, when they get in the red zone, they score a touchdown 50% of the time, dead middle of the league, like 17th. Everyone right now, except for me, it would seem, is freaking out about the wide receivers. They will be fine. You have the same group as last year with Rasheed Rice in for Juju Smith-Schuster. Oh, Nick, what about the red zone stuff? Juju had three total touchdowns last year. He was not the red zone answer. So a couple things are going on with the Chiefs. One is Mahomes needs to play better. I know no one wants to say it, but the reason the Chiefs believe they can get by with this group of skill position guys is because they believe they have the head and shoulders best player in the world. They do thus far this year. He has simply played like a fringe MVP candidate rather than the head and shoulders greatest quarterback we've ever seen. That is a big responsibility to put on him. He can handle it. That's the first part of it. The second part of it is, and people can say, Nick, you're wish casting here. I know I'm right on this. The Chiefs have different, I don't want to say different playbooks, but Andy Reid, has the red zone packages and plays that he would rather not use early or often against bad opponents because he wants to keep them under wraps for the bigger games and for later in the season. And you know how I know this? Because last year... They, when they were playing a mediocre opponent, they were so they were so bored in the red zone. They did the damn ring around the rosy play that the players had drawn up earlier in the week. The idea that Andy Reid doesn't have certain things he's holding in reserve is nonsense. Now it bit them against the Broncos. There is no doubt about that. But the idea uh, one week ago, the discussion was Patrick Mahomes is the NFL's MVP. After the Charger game. He was the Vegas favorite. We couldn't even do the topic on first things first because everyone agreed. And now a week later, the sky's falling. No, it's not. Rashid, that what now what I do think they need to do with the receivers is this. 
They were using the first couple months of the season. I called it practice, but it was also kind of tryouts. Who is going to earn the actual spots? And the answer has been Rasheed Rice has earned it. Sky Moore has not. So Sky's snaps are going to go down. Rasheed's snaps are going to go up. But this, this idea that the Chiefs, who if the playoffs started today, would be the number one seed, the Chiefs, who Vegas right now has as the favorites to win the Super Bowl, my apologies, guys, that, that the idea that that team is in dire straits is lunacy. So here's a prediction for you. The Chiefs are going to go to Germany and win. They're going to beat the Dolphins. Wait. You know why? Because the Chiefs' defense can slow down the Dolphins' offense, and the Dolphins' defense is not going to have its way with the Chiefs' offense. The Chiefs are then going to have a bye, and then at home, off a bye, they're going to beat Philadelphia. And in three weeks, everyone's going to be, you know the topics on the talk shows are going to be? God, that was stupid. When everyone panicked about the Chiefs. They're going to be fine. Go ahead, Demonte. The topic's probably, the, uh, they're kind of in the same situation that the Bills were in when they went to go face Trevor Lawrence, and Trevor Lawrence is already a week prior. The Chiefs are getting there after the Dolphins, and you always say that you're trapped yes. with, the, with the flight and all that stuff, you know, groggy, tiredness. Are you worried about that so, at all with the Chiefs? So, no, and I want to be clear on what I said about that. I thought the fact that the Jags had been over there a full week earlier was going to be a real advantage, and I don't know right. if it was or it wasn't. The Jags ended up winning. I the, the Dolphins went over on Tuesday. The Chiefs are going over today. I, I'm going to read you some tweets from Bobby Stroop Apologies if I'm Bobby if I'm saying your last name wrong. He's Patrick. If you watched quarterback, he's Patrick Mahomes' trainer, his personal trainer, the guy he works with. Bobby writes this: There's a lot of talk about NFL schedules to Germany this week. I would like to put out some information that is relevant. There are many ways to do this, and experienced coaches with Olympic slash frequent foreign competitions that have trialed options. And then he includes in there a research paper on this. He goes on to write, general consensus from research is seven days is the best, usually not an option for the NFL. Three and five days before present problems for reasons cited in research. Arrival two days before works great if players stay on U.S. time with their schedules. This is just the information. This is a big part of the overseas game outcomes, and it does matter how this is managed. This is not an opinion on how any team has managed it years past, present, or future. Just my own research on the topic and reaching out to Olympic-level coaches. So, I say all that to say this. There is not a perfect way to go about this. The Chiefs, going, the Chiefs could have gone on Tuesday like Miami did. The Chiefs are choosing to go on Thursday. The, according to what Bobby Today, wrote, American three time. and five days present problems. Well, Miami went five days ahead. The Chiefs went three days ahead. I, I I don't think there is going to be a significant difference in this game on the jet lag factor for Miami or Kansas City. It's if did, one of the teams had been over there on a Friday, by the way. But say it again. Is, we're about you slandered Buffalo for going on a Friday. No, uh. no. I here's the thing. No, I didn't. Brew did. I did not. 
I know that's in the script. I know that that, but if find the tape of me slandering Buffalo for going on a Friday. What I Friday did Thursday. do, the what I did do was say beforehand that the Jags being over there for a full week, I thought was going to be an advantage. And the I the point that I am trying to make here is that I don't know what the what the correct uh perfect travel plan is. I do know that this is not done haphazardly. Miami clearly thinks that having to do their week of practices and having to spend more time out of their homes is worth the tr- in Germany is worth the trade-off of getting there, you know, way early so their bodies are fully adjusted. The Chiefs clearly believe they would rather have more time on a regular week schedule and the trade it's worth the trade-off of having less time to have their bodies be adjusted. I don't think that will be the story of this game. I also think because it's a story at all, it's a shame, a bit of a shame that a game this big is happening at 9:30 in the morning Eastern, 6:30 West Coast time with this added variable. All right, next. All right, speaking of elite quarterback matchups, the Bills play yep. Cincinnati Sunday night. We always know you'll choose Mahomes over the field, so I'm going to give you three remaining elite quarterbacks, and you tell me what you want uh, out of the three for all weeks, just this week, or no weeks between Tua. Okay, do you. uh, Go ahead. uh, Tua, Joe Burrow, and Josh Allen. So for all weeks, it's Joe Burrow with no question whatsoever. Uh, For just this week. I'm going to go Josh Allen because I think that Allen can have a it, listen, Josh Allen has not played well in his last few get, couple games against Cincinnati and this is a massive game for them. So I think Josh Allen can have some success and this is really unfair. I mean, the only one left I guess is Tua with no weeks, but my feeling on Tua is very simple. Compared to those other two guys, I believe I know Joe Burrow can work anywhere and in any system. I know Josh Allen is going to be Josh Allen anywhere and in any system. The good, the bad, the highs, the lows. I don't know that about Tua. And there is, I I know there is a level of, of folks that will say that is unfair. I think it is incredibly fair and I think it's very consistent. I... I, Tua, to me, is a good quarterback who is not as good as his numbers this year suggest. And if Tyreek the Miami Dolphins... Well, I'm not saying Tyreek Hill's carrying him, but I do think Tyreek Hill is clearly the most important player on that team. And people can say, well, if Tua goes out, they fall apart like last year. That part's true because there aren't enough solid quarterbacks in this league. What I would say is, who is, give me a guy that, this is going to be hard, but who is the definition of, like, the median league average quarterback? Like, if you replaced, that might, you know, Kirk actually had been playing so well that he he might be a little better than that. I mean, it's a shame he popped his Achilles. So someone, but yeah, so... 
I don't, uh, the, the, right now what's tough is there really isn't a league average quarterback. There's like 12 right. good ones and then a bunch of either mediocre like or bad ones. I used to be Jimmy G, ones. but he sucks. <laughs> well, he, well, this is, the, we don't even have to talk about the Jimmy G thing. I, I've taken my victory laps on that. I told everybody he was a product of Kyle Shanahan's system entirely. Uh, and now he leaves Kyle Shanahan's system. All he has is Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, and he's benched and he leads the league in picks. So let me put it like, let's say C.J. Stroud. Let's use C.J. Stroud as, like, right now league average. If you replace Tua with C.J. Stroud, how different would the offense look versus who is a league average number one receiver? Not a league average receiver, league average number one, Terry McLaurin. Let's say that. He's probably, like, the 16th best number one receiver. If you replace Tyreek with Terry McLaurin, I think the offense drops way more than if you replace Tua with C.J. Stroud. If that makes sense. Now, if you replace Tua with his backup, that is a different story because now you're replacing. So Tua is the guy they could least afford to have injured. Tyreek is the guy they could least easily replace. If that makes like if Tyreek left and you had to go get another number one, nobody could do for them what he's doing for them. All right, next. All right, so the Raiders got rid of everybody except for Devontae Adams. Poor guy, man. Poor guy. As a Chiefs fan, you've got to be. This has got to be very great news for you. Uh, So it's time to figure out the Raiders' future with a game of likely, maybe, or what if. Uh, Give Las Vegas options for their future, each more galaxy brain than the last one. Okay, so I the I'm actually not gonna the uh, because we've gone so long. I'm not gonna give them three options. I'm just gonna tell them exactly what they should do. What the Raiders should do is in the off season, everyone's gonna try to hire Ben Johnson. Let's assume they can't because he's gonna have his options. They should hire Eric Bieniemy who I think has done quite well outside of Kansas City, making Sam Howell look like a legitimate quarterback. They should use the seventh pick of the draft, which is about what they're going to have, on Shador Sanders, which will A, give them a quarterback of the future, and B, give them real juice in Vegas so all those home games are not simply opposing teams fans traveling to Vegas where they don't have a home field you would have some real star quality there and then C they should trade away Devontae Adams maybe trade away and this one would hurt a lot Max Crosby you would get two first round picks for Max Crosby because he's young awesome and on a great contract you would get one first round pick for Devontae Adams and you would start over and you would say okay in 2024 we are cleaning up our cap cleaning up our books and drafting young talent in 2025 we hope to be competitive and in 2026 we hope to be contenders Because if you draft the right quarterback and you build the right pieces around him by that quarterback's third year, you can be a contender. That should be the plan. Now, I I don't know that they'll listen to me. What's the other one? The the Lincoln Riley guy. There's talks of him wanting a coach in the NFL, move up, and maybe they get him and Caleb Williams. The problem is they're going to be, they're not going to have, I mean, they already have three wins. They're not going to be able to get Caleb. And by the way, I don't know 
that I'd want Lincoln Riley as my head coach. I well, Nobody's going to trade the Caleb pick. I mean, Lincoln Riley, I don't <laughs> think, has done a great job at USC this year. I, I mean, once for his, for his seventh straight year, he can't field a defense. I think USC's underachieved somewhat. People are trying to put that on Caleb. I think that's ridiculous. Drake May. Um, and the... A, a, and the Daniel writes in there that Drake May is on the top of some people's boards. Yeah, idiots. I, anybody that is going to argue that you should not take Caleb Williams with the number one overall pick doesn't know what they're talking about. Every, there is I, the idea that we are going to somehow twist ourselves into knots and saying, you know what, maybe Caleb isn't the number one pick is lunacy. But they're not going to be able to get Drake May either. They're like they're not going to have a top two pick, and the top three picks of the draft are going to go Caleb, Drake, Marvin Harrison. That we know. The rest is yet to be seen. All right, let's go to the Eagles, Cowboys. This weekend, Dallas and Philly face off in a potential NFC Championship preview. It's going to be a great game. Uh, that's assuming yes. Brock Purdy's still bad and the Niners aren't in the equation. For the sake of your Cowboys Super Bowl prediction, how important is it that Philly steals this game? That Dallas, or steal, steals, this Dallas game. steals his game in Philly. Sorry. Um. Well, I don't the. I don't think Dallas has to steal this game for them to be alive Super Bowl contenders. But if they do win this game, they are in great shape because Philly, the Dallas's next three games after this are Giants, Washington, and Carolina. The Eagles' next five games after after this Cowboys game are the Chiefs, the Bills, the Niners, at the Cowboys, and at the Seahawks. That Chiefs game's in Kansas City. So if Dallas Dallas wins this game, they're, they're de facto tied for first in the conference, and then all of a sudden, you know, they, they can actually create some space. What's so interesting about the NFC right now is you've got five teams that are at the midway point of the season essentially locked into the playoffs that are just fighting for seeding. So Dallas and Philly are going to be in. Detroit's going to be in. San Francisco and Seattle are going to be in. That's five teams. You then have the NFC South winner, whoever that is. That's six. And then who the hell is the seventh team going to be? Washington that just traded away its best two edge rushers. Minnesota, whose quarterback just popped his Achilles. Uh, The Rams, who just got rolled by the Cowboys. Or someone else from the NFC South. So... No matter what happens to any of those five good NFC teams, they it's almost impossible for them not to make the playoffs. So all they're playing for at this point is the number one seed, winning their division, home playoff games. I We'll get to more on the Dallas-Philly game in our pick sec- segment, uh, but I, I think Dallas is in a really good spot here. We're not going to do the Wimby conversation because this segment went 40 minutes. Take a quick break, come back and do our picks for the week, and DeMonze's teaser tries to win for the first time since Labor Day. What's right? This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, because your mental well-being matters. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of that. 
Unlock the power of therapy with BetterHelp and witness the transformative benefits it brings to your life. From gaining valuable insights into your thought patterns to building resilience in the face of challenges. Therapy empowers you to navigate life's twists with confidence. BetterHelp offers a convenient online platform designed to be flexible, fitting seamlessly into your schedule. With a simple questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at no extra cost. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash right to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash right. Your mental health journey begins here. All right, welcome back in. Watch Right with Nick Wright, episode 190. Demonze, before we get to our picks, the producers say that they've pulled the tape of me talking about how the Bills lost because they went on Friday. Let's hear the tape and let's see what I said. Isn't the travel the main thing you're always saying is like a big factor? It is a big factor, of course. And grown-up teams... Teams that are that have a level of consistency and emotional maturity, they either understand how to deal with it or they don't fly to London on Friday. Why did you do that? Why did you fly there on Friday for uh, for a Sunday morning game? Dude, yeah. that's bad. What's bad? That's bad. What's I mean, bad? You, you quit you like 10, 15 minutes ago. You said that you literally didn't do exactly what we just saw you do. No, you made fun of the Bills for leaving I, on a Friday for a Sunday morning game. I said you either. I said, hold on just a second here. Like an adult This team. is why it's important to pull the tape. Yeah. I said you either understand how to deal with it or you fly earlier. You don't fly late and then Wait, blame so that so on you're just saying. So you're just yeah. saying the Bills didn't know how to deal with it and the Chiefs magically do? Clearly. The Bills are the, the dumb well, guys? Well, okay, well, I, these, what's today? I'm just curious. What's today? Is today Thursday. Thursday or Friday? Oh, okay. <laughs> When's the game? I'm so, No, no, no. When's the game? Tell me. So the way to deal with it is to leave a day before the Bills do. That's the way you well, do it. Well, I don't know. I, the, I don't know. I mean, the Chiefs are getting there today, which is Thursday. <laughs> okay. The Bills got there Friday, and I I don't see what the real issue here is. Like, I did not say they lost because they went on Friday. I said either you know how to deal with it, or if you don't know how to deal with it, you leave earlier. I think the Chiefs know how to deal with it, and they're leaving earlier. Friday did seem like maybe a touch close, but just know how to deal with it. You're shaking your head. I I stand by everything I said then and everything I said now. I think it is 100% consistent. Let's go on to the picks. Let's go on to the picks. Last week. Started out great, then did not end great. Last week's picks, we can show you the recap. We won on Thursday night, thanks to Baker Mayfield's heroics. We won on Sunday morning, thanks to Trevor Lawrence being awesome. Atlanta minus two and a half. I thought that Malik Willis and Will Levis were going to split snaps. Instead, Will Le- or Malik Willis barely played, and Will Levis was awesome. I thought Indy... Could hang with New Orleans. New Orleans hang, hung almost 40 on him. And I said nine points was just too much for the Chargers to be laying to anybody. And the Chargers blew out the Bears pretty thoroughly throughout. 
So it started out great, went ended terribly. We are, you know, still because it's just two and three basically every week with a few three and twos mixed in, we're still just one great week away from having our head above water. But at this point, I can't guarantee that great week. I just can't. I wish I could. I'm hoping for the best. I'm not proud of how the clips have gone so much so uh so much lately, but we move on from there. What do we got this week, Demonze? You got Kansas City minus one and a half versus Miami. This one surprises me. Um, Why does it surprise you? Why? Miami probably win that game. Chiefs in offensive production. Uh, travel. What's Miami? Miami's, can, can I Miami's ask question? Been out there. Can, can so. I ask question? What? What's Miami's good? Like, wow, they're a they're a legit contender. Look who they beat performance this year. I'm just they, curious. They have, right. I mean, they have not had the toughest slate of games, I'll admit. Well, um, well, they've had two very tough games, and they got blown out in both of them. They, they, <laughs> week one, they played the Chargers, and that's a good win, but that's a win they also needed a fourth quarter comeback to execute, and they win by two. Week two, they play the Patriots. And they win by seven. The Patriots butcher the end of the game when they have a chance to tie it. Week three, they embarrass and annihilate the Dolphins, hang 70 on them. Week four, they play Buffalo and get annihilated. Week five, they beat up on the Wobegon Giants. Week six, they beat up on the Justice Wobegon uh, Carolina Panthers. Week seven, they play a big boy team, the Eagles. They get annihilated. And last week, they beat the Patriots again, 31 to 17. I the Dolphins with Jalen Ramsey, I am more interested in because he he came back last week. Immediate impact. Like immediate impact. Um I don't think I think the Dolphins are good. I think despite everyone saying the sky is falling, I think the Chiefs are great. I think the Chiefs defense will be able to handle as much as anyone can handle Tyree Kill. They're familiar with him. They have the best pair of corners in the NFL in McDuffie and Sneed. And the Chiefs are pissed off. Mahomes is clearly upset with what happened last week. For all of those reasons, and I'm laying less than a field goal. And, and one, one other note that I think is relevant, in the Mahomes era, the Chiefs have lost back-to-back games sparingly few times. So if we go through it, the Chiefs have, last year they lost back-to-back games zero times. In 2021, they lost back-to-back games one time. One was a one-point loss to Baltimore, and then a final possession loss to the Chargers in weeks two and three. 2020, They never lost back-to-back games. 2019, they lost back-to-back games to Indy and Houston, and that was it. And 2018, did they ever lose back-to-back in 2018? Oh, at the very end of the season. So in Mahomes' six-year career as a starter, they've lost back-to-back games three times ever. Uh, All of them involved at least one of those games, either the loss coming on the final play or in overtime or by one point. They're not losing this week. I And so... I like the Chiefs. If it were three and a half, I'd feel differently. At one and a half, I like Kansas City. I don't typically 
put the Chiefs in Nick's picks because they're not a great covering team, but they are also not typically favored by less than a field goal. Uh, and by the way, but the producers put in there, Tua's won 11 consecutive games straight up versus Super Bowl winning head coaches. Fun fact, here's the other fact, Tua's only loss against a Super Bowl winning head coach came against Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. Next. All right, Tampa Bay plus three at Houston. I love that one. The You do love that one? Yeah. Like oh, okay. Um, so, Houston is a good story. Houston also, last week, you saw it a bit, doesn't have a ton of talent on the roster. Losing to Carolina uh, is a bad loss. Tampa is coming off a bye. Tampa is in a spot where they absolutely, I shouldn't say coming off a bye, pardon me. Tampa the is had the mini bye because they played on Thursday, so they're not coming off a bye, but they have the extra rest, I should say. Tampa getting three points when they are a desperate team, they are the more veteran team, and Houston right now is coming off its worst loss of the year, not because of the margin, but because who they lost to and the fashion that they lost to. Also, Houston's offense, since beginning of the season, Offense was rolling, hung 37 on the Jags, 30 on the Steelers. Since then, 19 against the Falcons, 20 against the Saints, 13 against the Panthers. The Bucks have a good defense. They're a desperate team. They're getting three points. I think they went out right. I like Tampa in this spot. Next. Atlanta minus four and a half versus Minnesota. Okay. So here is the thing. I mean, you're just, I have you're just saying the, the quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins isn't playing I, is the logic. I have the last two weeks lost picks that I have based purely on who the quarterback is. I lost the Tyson Bajant game, and then I lost the Will Levis situation. So why am I laying four and a half with Atlanta? Don't do this. And it is... Why are you shaking your head, Demas? I don't. I don't think you should do this. I think this is. Why shouldn't I do I think this? The, you, you know how you say like the the hot team or whatever week by week. You're doing you're doing it with quarterbacks mm-hmm. first. It was the Bears, and then you went for the Bears, and now you're going over here to Minnesota because Kirk Cousins is missing. I would not give Atlanta any benefit of the doubt to be laying four and a half points. That's just where I stand on it. You're probably going to go even harder on it now, but. No, I'm not going to go any even harder on it. And what you're saying does theoretically make sense. And I understand the point you're making. And four and a half is a tricky line. And it does feel like that I am, this is a very square pick. I get all of that. The counterpoint is, I think that Heineke is better than Ritter. And so Atlanta... Going to their backup quarterback, I think they actually get an upgrade. Minnesota told us a lot about their confidence level in Jaron Hall by the fact that they traded for Josh Dobbs. So Minnesota has seen Jaron Hall, and they know they have Mullins coming back at some point, and they're still like, we've got to get another quarterback in here, and we've got to get someone who can start for us at some point. Minnesota with no Justin Jefferson, with no Kirk Cousins, that actually, believe it or not, does have 
a bit of a margin for error because of, like I said, in that NFC, who you know, at four and four right now, they're positioned to be a wild card team, and they have after this week, they 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 have the Saints, the Broncos, the Bears, the Raiders. They have a bit of a runway. Jordan Addison's been awesome, but I the with no Justin Jefferson, with no Kirk Cousins, and with the emotional kind of atrophy of losing your quarterback for the season just a week ago, I don't mind laying the four and a half in Atlanta with Jaron Hall making his first career start as a fifth-round rookie out of BYU. And so I like Atlanta minus the four and a half. I uh, I I understand that there are a lot of trends against this. They opened as the, an underdog. They're now now they're the favorites. The producers tell me teams are forty three and eighty three against the spread since twenty nineteen in those situations. I get that, but J- a fifth round rookie making his first career start on the road without his best weapon. I am going to go ahead and go with Atlanta. Um, and then, Demonze, read what the producers are writing about the, is, the question. Why, why aren't you going to bet against the Cardinals as well since they're starting Clayton Toon? Well, for two reasons. One is I don't know who's starting quarterback opposite him because the Browns, right now, we don't know if it's P.J. Walker or if it's going to be Deshaun Watson. I don't even know what's the better option there for them. And that would be laying eight points. So that would be, I would be relying on a team whose often struggles mightily to cover by more than a touchdown. That is a different situation than a team that I feel just upgraded at quarterback going from Ritter to Heineke laying four and a half. Next. Dallas plus three at Philadelphia. You don't like this one? I think Dallas is going to get destroyed. Okay, so here's Dak has lost once to the Eagles since 2017. Dak is the fifth best quarterback in NFL history against his own division. Last year, Dak hung 40 on Philadelphia in a game Jalen Hurts wasn't playing, but Jalen Hurts doesn't play defense. That Philadelphia secondary last week let Taylor Heineke, I'm sorry, let Sam Howell, look like a star, for all those reasons, I think Dallas absolutely can win this game, and I'm getting a full three points, and Jalen Hurts is a little gimpy, which makes me question whether or not they're going to be as gung-ho on running the brotherly shove, which has been such a valuable weapon for them, and listen, Dak is a 25-10 and 10 in his career, uh, against the spread in the NFC East. Dak is 8-3 and three in his career uh, against the spread and straight up against the Eagles. And Dak's never lost to Nick Sirianni. For, or 3-0 against the spread against Sirianni. And yeah, 3-0 and straight up. For all those reasons, I like Dallas plus the three points. Next. Chargers minus 3.5 at the Jets. Yeah, I think the Jets performance last week was one of the worst performances in a win I've ever seen. I understand they got the win against the Giants. That was a truly pathetic performance on all fronts. And if I know anything about the Chargers, what the Chargers will do 
is beat the Jets and look impressive, only to have everyone be like, oh, did we write off the Chargers too soon? Only to then have the Lions absolutely annihilate them <laughs> next week in Los Angeles. And so I the Chargers laying less than a field goal on and by the way, Zach Wilson has pretty quickly gone right back to being Zach Wilson. I know we gave him his flowers for, you know, acquitting himself decently against the Chiefs. Since then, he's uh he has a 75 rating, one touchdown, one pick in three weeks of football. Remarkably, the team is 3-0 and in those games. I do not think that is sustainable. I will admit, Can't find I don't love laying the extra half point here. And it's the Chargers going cross country. I understand all of that. But Zach Wilson on national TV, I think this is going to be one of those games that the Chargers pass rush. Uh, gets home and gets to him. That Jets offensive line has not been good. The Jets are 1-14 straight up in home night games since 2018. And you give Robert Sala extra rest. It's not good. He's 0-4-1 against the spread in that spot. And Herbert's actually pretty damn good at night. 9-6 against the spread. For all those reasons, I like the Chargers in this spot. You seem quizzical. You seem questioning me there. Um, no, Chargers minus three and a half versus the Jets. I, I definitely trust. But how do you feel about Zach Wilson having his best game against your defense? How do you feel? Is that a, but you listen, it was good, good for him. Weird. If you want to question the Chiefs defense, number two defense in the league, allowing 15 points per game, you, you go ahead and have fun with that. Folks want me to be worried about the Chiefs. It's like there there is, whether it's on this show or the TV show, there is like... People act like my faith in the Chiefs is like a Cowboys fan faith in their team or something. Like, it's out of nowhere. They have been the best team in the league for a half decade now. They're the defending Super Bowl champs. They're the current one seed. And they have the best defense they've had for this team in 25 years. I think the the confidence is well-founded. All right, recap of the picks. Five picks for the week. Kansas City laying a point and a half. Tampa plus three. Atlanta laying four and a half. Dallas plus three. And the Chargers laying three and a half. All right, Demonze. Last week, the teaser once again goes awry. Miami was a good leg. Minnesota was a good leg. And then the Rams just get their teeth kicked in. They're down 33-3 to at halftime. It's just a disaster. It's so I, crazy I know that how was that a- was like a 15-point teaser, but there was probably like, Ten minutes total of that of that game where I was like, all right, we might cover. Um, you were covering. Give it a lot. Of, yeah, I gave them a lot of points, dude. Um, but yeah, yep. no, they got they got dominated. All right, uh, Demonte, can you explain this tweet from last night before you give your teaser? Yeah, so I've got to give for everybody. Um, I yeah, was, thought about the deleting teaser? the tweet. The the gift's you definitely did? the teaser. It's a, it's a winning teaser. Um, okay, I got you guys something. Well, and, like, somebody came to me in my dream and told me that this was the right teaser. I had the chance to change it this morning, but this, this teaser is going to hit. It's a uh, okay. It's a, three, it's a three-team seven-pointer. Uh, we got – Yeah. We're teasing Miami up to eight and a half. Okay. We're teasing – This one, this is going to kill me if it comes back to bite me, but there's just no way this – Seattle plus 12 and a half versus uh, the Ravens. And then yeah. – the questionable leg, Cleveland, 
minus a half point. They're playing the Cardinals. I don't think that's a questionable leg. I yeah, I like good. Cleveland. I like Cleveland straight up to win against Clayton Toon. That defense against Clayton Toon in Arizona. I like that leg. I the I Demonze. I'm not trying to talk you out of anything. Didn't you lose a teaser two weeks ago? Because you faded the Didn't Ravens. believe in the Ravens? Yeah. Yeah. I did. I did. And now like, you're and now you're doing it again? Yeah, no, I'm Last time it was what was it Ravens it was Ravens Lions Lions yeah it's it's Ravens this one thirty eight to six I just don't I don't see I don't see Seahawks losing this game by more than ten points I mean I just I think they'll be able to hang in um to I I trust it I trust it I think the Seahawks okay. are a you, good team I think the Ravens okay. are really good and I think and honestly it's my team I think they're on a little bit of a high right now. Um, it's a little bit okay. Nirvana-ish well, here, right now. Here's a bright side. Here's a bright side for you. Well, the, yeah, the hot team corollary maybe applies to the Ravens now. Here's a bright side for you. When the Chiefs blow out the Dolphins, and this teaser's dead before <laughs> you wake up on Sunday morning on the West Coast, you'll have enough time to put in a fresh one. <laughs> like at least it won't be like the Dallas game where it's the last leg of your teaser and you're like, damn it, I don't even have time. You'll be able to put in a fresh one when the Chiefs beat the Dolphins 31-17. to All right, what's the offer this week? Oh, and I give this teaser a C. I give it a C. He's going against his team. He's going against my team. I give it a C. All right, what's the <laughs> offer? All right, for today's offer, we're going to head over to Germany and uh, fade a former Chief. Uh, we're calling this one Tyreek plays his Bratwurst. I want a Bratwurst right now. Okay. Tyreek Hill under ninety one yeah. under under ninety one and a half yards, uh plus under six and a half receptions at plus one forty four. I'm gonna decline the offer because there's just not enough value there. The 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 idea and I understand those two things seem correlated. Like, oh, if he goes under one, he'll go under the other. But I don't know that that's true. I think you could hold Tyreek to four catches and he could have 110 yards if he breaks one. Mm. I also think there's a scenario where the Chiefs, because they're a great tackling team, rally and tackle and and cloud coverage Tyreek and he could have eight catches and not hit 90 yards. So I no, I'm going to decline this offer. I will. We will take a very quick break. Come back, answer a few questions before we go, because this show's gone too long. Quick break, right back. What's right? All right, welcome back in. What's right with Nick Wright, episode one ninety. Demonze, read us some of these uh, listener questions and comments. All right, Dusty said, "This is one take I've always agreed with Nick on. Awful movie." He's oh, talking about, about Top Gun. Gun? Yep. Yeah, I just didn't quite get it. I I didn't get it. All right, next one. Colin Nitcher asked, over, overreact and go all in on Will Levis tonight or fade the rookie in his second start against a sad defensive secondary? No, I'm gonna. I'm staying away from this game. I, it's it's Titan Steelers. It's two of the best coaches against the spread. I the I, I'm just staying away. I would say, you know what? Keep your powder dry. You don't have to bet every game. All right, next. This guy talking. Cordell Finley said, my Seahawks are poised to make a playoff push but you ranked them in the next year category on the TV show yesterday. What needs to improve uh what needs to improve to move them into the contention this year? 
Well, I listen, I think they are fringe contenders. I think the problem is I just think they are of such a young O-line and defense that they need another year. I believe in their coach. I believe in their quarterback. And I like their weapons. But I think they're probably a year away. All right, next. Kigaboo Slide asked, how does trading for Josh Dobbs snuff out any chance of the Vikings getting a draft pick, getting them a, a real contingency plan at quarterback? Well, listen, I think that the Vikings are going to try to find a way to sneak into the playoffs. And the fact of the matter is you have four wins. You weren't going to, you already weren't going to get one of the top three quarterbacks in this year's draft. So you're not like a tank eligible team and you want to kind of keep the, some positive momentum going that you've built up over the next year. All right, next. This one I think we might have answered. Austin R said, with the hot team losing every week, sorry, Chiefs, what is this week's hot team that is destined to lose by this new trend this week? Well, the hot team, the team with the longest winning streaks, the Jags, but they're on a bye, so they maybe have avoided it. Baltimore would be a prime uh, candidate, but the other one would be Philly which is a top every team's power rankings right now is the only one lost team left. And they're playing, you know, they've got a brutal game against Dallas. The shocking loss would be Baltimore. Uh, if Baltimore found a way to lose the, I guess that wouldn't be shocking because they're playing a good team in Seattle, but that would be the probably more surprising than Philadelphia. But I think Philadelphia is the answer to that question. All right, Demonte, great job today. I got to go. We're running late. See you guys on TV at 3 o'clock. See you on Tuesday on the show. What's right?